I personally believe whatever's going on in your inner world is reflected in your outer world. So if you've got a lot of chaos inside, it's usually going to be reflected in your environment and vice versa. Hi, welcome to the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel. I'm your host, Tarun Stevenson, and we are all about helping you lead, communicate, and grow to your full potential. Whether you're tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite podcasting app, don't forget to subscribe and follow so that you can stay up to date with all our latest episodes. All right, here's the latest episode. Let's get into it. Well, hey, everybody, Tarun here, and I am with my guest today, Julie Caraccio, and she is a coach author and speaker who specializes in decluttering your life so I think this is going to really help somebody today welcome to the show Julie hey Tron thanks for having me no worries so great to meet you it seems like we've got a little bit of a delay so I'll I'll try and make sure that I don't talk over the top of you while you're talking today you're coming in from the US and I'm of course in Australia so that always presents a slight uh, challenge but why don't you start by just introducing yourself tell us a little bit about you and how you got into the uh, work of helping people declutter their life I was in a really horrible job and I had been a nonprofit. I was a grant writer, fund development person. So I raised funds for nonprofits, which was a really great job. But I had moved from Los Angeles to North Carolina, started a job and figured out very quickly, ooh, I know this isn't happening. So I said, well, what can I do? I just don't want to go to my skill sets and that would support me in helping people. And so I came up with professional organizing, but then the more I did that work, I had this aha moment. I went to work with someone and she said, can we just talk? And I said, absolutely. You're the client. It's whatever you want. And in that moment, I realized it was more about clearing clutter yeah. than the organizing because you want to dig deep, get down and clear all that stuff out. And so that was kind of my aha moment and where my focus began on clearing your clutter. And I do a lot of personal development work. And so kind of the parallel of doing that, working on myself, I thought this stuff's going to support my clients. Great. So, so you said, when you say uh, you started out as a professional organizer, what is a professional organizer? I mean, for anybody that's uninitiated, what would you do in that context? Organize your garage, organize your office. And a large part of that is decluttering in the beginning, but sometimes people don't want to let anything go and there's no right yeah. or wrong with that. And yeah. then you would just organize everything you had. So if someone right. says, Hey, I can save you money on your insurance bill, you can say, yeah. fantastic. Let me locate that right away so we can figure that out. Great. So you're helping people get their lives in order in a really tangible sense. I expect that part of that process is a little bit emotional. And so you're also coaching them emotionally through the process of letting go. You said some of the things they don't want to let go, but they need to do so to organize their lives. Absolutely. Emotions are a huge part of it. And if you can also create emotional clutter. So sentimental yeah. objects are a great example you have that antique dresser that you absolutely hate, but it was your great grandmother's. 
and you don't okay. want to let that go. So yeah. let's talk about that. You know. So so how does as I mean what example? So with emotional clutter, how does that necessarily uh, impact somebody negatively? Like you mentioned, they're keeping things sent uh, for sentimental value. Is there a negative? Uh, I guess, result or a consequence of holding on to too many sentimental items? What does that do for a person emotionally? Well, if you are surrounded by clutter, clutter can cause depression and yeah. depression can cause clutter and you can get involved in that cycle. Mm -hmm. It can make you really anxious. Mm -hmm. If you walk into your home and you have a bunch of things, you lose your peace of mind. If yeah. you have someone in, if you're in a relationship and they have a lot of clutter that can cause fights and right. anger and frustrations in relationships, there's a bunch of stuff that can go on with that. And where we get confused is we put our memories onto objects and yeah. the antique dresser of your great grandmother, that doesn't represent your great grandmother. She's in your head and she's in your heart. Mm, so when mm. you have that aha moment, then you can say, you know what, if I let go of this antique dresser, I'm not saying goodbye to my grandmother. I'm not yeah. saying, you know, the memories are going to go away. And that's a lot of times where we get tripped up. Yeah, right. No, that's, that's fair enough. And so what do you think it is that causes people to struggle with clutter? I know some people are better at organizing their lives than others, but what, what's the process that, that gets people into that I guess, hoarding mentality or holding on to things? I believe it's they get overwhelmed mm. and they feel really stuck. So they don't know, what do I do first? And so they become paralyzed with fear. They're so overwhelmed. They can't even think, okay, I'll take this step and then this next step. So that's usually a large part behind it. Now, if someone is truly a hoarder, mm. then they're usually deeper psychological issues going on with that. So maybe they had, for example, trauma as a child, and so that has kept them stuck and able and unable to release things. So hoarding is definitely a more extreme, yeah. but, you know, I personally believe whatever's going on in your inner world is reflected in your outer world. So okay. if you've got a lot of chaos inside, it's yeah. usually going to be reflected in your environment and vice versa. Okay. That's really interesting. Now I work in leadership and I work with leaders who, can sometimes appear to be disorganized on the outside. Maybe their desk is somewhat messy. I know that that's my way of working, but that seems to work for them. And it doesn't necessarily seem to have a negative impact on their ability to work at a very high level. What's your take on people who perhaps work in a less organized fashion, but it seems to work for them? I would challenge them on that okay. because what I'm going to say is, well, first of all, if you look at statistics, I know this is in the US, I'm not sure about Australia, but it's something like 79% of people, if they see a coworker's desk is messy, mm. they don't trust them as much. They don't think, they think they tend to be lazy. There's first of all, there's a negative yeah. connotation that that brings up. And I will argue that you're less creative and you can say, oh no, Julie, I've got it all under control. It clutters your mind. Mm. And I would say, give it a shot, clean up your desk and see, and give it a week or two and see if you're mentally more clear. And I think also creative people mm. tend to think this way as well. Well, you know, if I remove the clutter, then my creativity is going to go. And I don't believe that to be the case. 
Okay. So to talk more about creative people, because I, I have creative uh, people around me in uh, a lot of what I do. And, you know, I've heard that before. I know I've probably used that excuse myself before. Um, what is, what is it about creative people that seems to like the chaos if you, uh, or they seem to think that the chaos helps them with their creativity? Because I just think creative people in general tend to be a certain personality and that's a plus. I consider mm. myself creative. And I think that sometimes they get locked in this misconception that I've got to have the chaos around me in order to create because that brings in ideas or feelings or sensations mm. when, you know, as a writer, that's what my creativity is. And an example I would use is it's great. You know how you have like actually right behind you yeah. in a smaller version of mail. Like if I was a writer, I'd have all my projects. Like if you're write your scrap paper, you have an idea, hmm. then just organize it and declutter it a little bit. But I think great. mentally you can definitely create more. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So by decluttering your external life, you're really giving yourself more mental space, more mental capacity to uh, think through problems, to face challenges in a more orderly fashion. I mean, that makes complete sense because when your mind is clear, you can actually problem solve far more effectively. And uh, you've mentioned the stress that it causes other people. Um I am married to a, a lady who is very organized and loves organizing everyone around her. Now that's her thing. She's very gifted. And sometimes those, uh, you know, those opposites of me being less organized and her being very organized can cause some, uh, you know, strain. So what, what do you say for people who are perhaps very organized and they have to live with, or they have to work with somebody who's disorganized? How can they, help themselves first, but then also help the other person to uh, become more organized. It's a balance. Yeah. And if you're super organized, well, first I'd say to your wife, start your business, become a professional organizer if <laughs> you, you like go. it so much. And if she does it all day, then maybe she won't come home and want to do it. But yeah. the first thing I'd say is be less rigid. Right. Right. And so what I would say is have compromise. You know, there are certain areas like her office, let her do her thing and that she mm -hmm. should give you more leeway in your office. And if you have kids, give them a more, little more leeway in the bedrooms than you would in the common room right. and, yeah. and, and encourage you to come up with rules together. Mm. You know, like if you're a complete slob, let's raise you a little bit. And if she's super uptight about it, let's bring her down a little bit because mm -hmm. no one wants to live in a home that's super organized. That you feel like you can't sit on the couch and relax. Sure you know, there's got to be some fun and to be able to relax and have yeah. peace of mind. And so I think that's really important. So it's about finding a balance. And then what I say, would say to your wife is have her say to you, what has your disorganization cost you? Have yeah. you been stressed out? Have we lost money because you didn't pay a bill on time? Hmm. And, and then ask you what would motivate you to do that? And then to work with you non-judgmentally and say, <laughs> we're a team, we're going to problem yeah. solve and let's do this. Great, great. And look, we've got uh, three teenage sons and a teenage daughter. And so, uh, you know, that finding that balance between the um, excessively uh, rigid, um, orderly house and giving leeway for them has been, a, you know, part of the process. You know, we recognize that as teenagers, sometimes they, they're going to take time. <laughs> 
to become a little bit more orderly. And so sometimes it's better to just close the door than to try and stress yes. too much about what's going on. So that's great advice. And I think that applies to workplaces and businesses as well. Now, um, you, you started out as a personal organizer. T tell us about the process that you went through uh, realizing that there was more to this decluttering than just the physical space, that it, that it was about emotional space. It was about uh, your, your relationships. It was about your thinking pa uh, patterns and habits. And, and really that's something you, you have a tagline behind you on that. Uh, your, your little logo it says clear your clutter and create the life you choose, deserve and desire. And so you've really tied the whole idea of clutter to the way pe people experience their life. Uh, as they move through it. So tell us about that process for you and what got you to there. Well, prior to when I first started my business, it was called healing through organization because I mm. wanted to do something that really made a difference. So that, in, that I mentioned earlier about the woman who's like, I just want to talk, let's kind of go through things. But ever since the beginning of my business, people would talk to me. And yeah. so I was coaching naturally, even though I couldn't have described it. And why I'm starting my business and doing this, I'm also doing an international internet TV show called Reawaken Your Brilliance, where I would interview body, mind, spirit experts. And so I'm getting this training, I'm working with a coach. And so kind of all these things are coming together. And it was that aha moment the more I worked with people, wow, there's an emotional component. Or, for example, uh, spiritual clutter, which I would. Yeah say not forgiving is yeah. and not being able to forgive is spiritual Great. clutter and how that Great. created blocks for people. And so it was like, well, if we work a little bit on the inside, do some coaching, ah, our physical environment is getting a little more clear. And so it was kind of all these things merging together that I'm like, ah, this is what my focus needs to be on. Because when you clear that clutter, like that's what my tagline is. You can create the life you desire. If you're in clutter and stuck, you're yeah. not happy and you're not doing what you love. Yeah, so good. So I love that you mentioned forgiveness because that's such a powerful uh, blocker for people who want to move forward or to improve their life in any way. Talk, talk to me about the process that you uh, encourage your clients to go on when they're trying to declutter emotionally because that's a, that's a hard one. Often our emotional clutter has built up over a long period of time. There are multiple events or experiences that have contributed to it. What's the process that you guide your clients through to help them declutter emotionally? Well, one of the first things I say, when all us fails, breathe, mm. you know, if you're angry, you're upset, just let's center ourselves. Let's take a moment and breathe because the present moment is your point of power to change. So I know if that happened in the past or we're anxious about the future, let's become present. Because when we have those deep breaths, we can think clearly. And then it's about checking in with yourself. What are you feeling in this moment? What do you need in this moment to bring you back to center? And then understanding that it's layers. You know, you're just not going to wake up and everything's going to disappear. And so you'll have times that you'll work through things and then maybe you slide back, and, but you still stay on it and work and continue to move forward. Is this making mm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and doing things. So say you're really angry about something and you feel wrong. Let's say you have a sense of injustice about something. So you breathe, you become present. And if you're like, you know what, I'm just still up here. What can you be grateful for? Tell me something right now that you have gratitude for, because you can't have two opposing thoughts. I can't be really angry about the injustice that happened and mm. be in gratitude. Mm. 
So if I bring myself in gratitude, and again, you know, mm. that just raises your spirit, it raises your vibration. So taking a little step like that. And if you start to have gratitude, then you can start to work on forgiveness or mm. finding your passion or whatever it is. It's just taking baby steps and starting where you are. Great. Great. That's such good advice. And, you know, something that I talk about a lot with goal setting is you've got to start with uh, the next step that is doable for you. You've got to really, uh, like you said, take baby steps, start where you are. Don't try and do everything all at once. That's such good advice there. So Julie, tell us about this process that you've uh, been on or this journey you've been on. So you, you've now, uh, I guess, moved into more uh, coaching, you, you say coaching inside and out. And how are you seeing this in the context of business? I mean, obviously, a lot of my followers are leaders and they work in the either they run their own business or they're in the corporate environment. How does this process of decluttering both physically and emotionally uh, help those who are in business? What are some tips that you can give leaders uh, for declutter? And, And could I extend it maybe to can you declutter teams? Can a team become cluttered? If you're leading multiple people, uh, you know what are the what are the barriers that may may build up over time when leading people? Do you think? Oh, I love that question. That's fascinating. I would say an example would be resentment mm. uh, in a team situation in a business world. I'm yeah. resentful that Joey gets more recognition than I do, or why did Antonio get a raise? You know, they're all things. That's something. Mm just off the top of my head that I think would happen a lot, or there could be burnout, Mm. you know, that someone has being overloaded. And so I think the, the concept of decluttering a team would be, would be great. And so you have to have open and honest conversation. Now, you know, physically, I would say, if you're a leader, you should have a decluttered office. Remember you are setting the tone for your business, for your office, and you should be an example in my view. And then I think it would be great. Like, What's your mental clutter? What's causing you anxiety at work? And, you know, if it's whether it's having something like Calm, the app on your phone or something, or taking five minutes of deep breathing or five minutes throughout the day to get centered and close your eyes. I think that that's really important because especially if you've got a lot going on and you have many things that you're juggling, the more clarity you have, the Mm. more... that you can be neutral and non-emotional about things, the more successful you're going to be. If you are going to fly off at an employee that makes a mistake, Hmm. which I prefer to call those lessons learned, you don't do anyone good. Yeah. So good. So, I mean, you, you're describing here something that I do a lot of work around working with difficult people and managing your own emotions and how that impacts the people that you lead. Um, Can you unpack that a little bit more just for you use the example of flying off the handle or, you know, getting angry at somebody. Anger can really stem from unrealized expectations or unmet expectations a lot of the time. And I can see as you're talking how, how emotional clutter can really create that sort of anxious and uh, or angry tension in people. What are some of the ideas that you would give leaders to actually start dealing with an angry disposition or if they have a tendency to just be reactive? How can they declutter to start addressing that? I would take it a layer deeper. Hmm. And I believe it comes from fear. What yeah, are you okay. afraid about? You know, that 
angry knee-jerk reaction is we're not going to get the client or we'll lose the client or we're going to not meet our deadline or whatever it is that we're working on. So Hmm. then you can dial it back. Okay. I'm afraid this is going to happen. What can I put in place? I have expectations. I create a timeline. The client starts January 10th and let's plan it out to March 10th when everything is due. And so if you set those things in place and you're going to check in, all right, team, we have a check in every week or every two weeks. And then that way you're managing it. So not all of a sudden it's sprung on you and that's what creates the volcano eruption. So yeah. you put different things in place to manage that. And at the same time, I would say that's more what I'd call the physical clutter. How can you manage the emotions? Yeah. Your anger sometimes, not always, is about something maybe deeper. Like if yeah. you in the past in a past job had an employee that cost you money or cost you whatever, even it can go back to childhood and remind you something. So it's like, boom, in that moment you're taken there and then you're off at 90 miles an hour, Mm. not even aware. So I'm all about how can I become more aware? What is it about? Because what other people do has zero to do with me. It's how I respond that I want to focus on. Let's okay, that employee might've made a mistake, but what is it about me that I need to learn to grow? Yeah, so good, so good. And, you know, just what you're saying there about uh, having an awareness of how experiences can trigger past memories. And uh, I I remember once sitting with my counsellor a number of years ago and I was under an incredible amount of stress uh, from my work. And he asked me the question, he said, who are you trying to impress? Mm -hmm. And it was a real, one of those stop yourself in your tracks moment because it just sort of, I thought, huh, that's a really interesting question. And as I delved deeper, I realized that I wasn't driven by necessarily the people that I worked with. I was being driven by relationships Mm -hmm. with my father, you know, Mm -hmm. and experiences Mm -hmm. from my childhood that I was trying to prove people wrong who had written me off or had said that I couldn't be who I wanted to be. And, you know, so many of us are driven by these unspoken or even unrecognized experiences and relationships from our past that can cause that tension and stress. So it's so good that you mentioned that. Well, uh, I want to go a little bit deeper with the whole uh, decluttering of emotion and dealing with the past, because I think that is such a powerful driver for people. I mean, so much of what we do personality wise and behavior wise is, is tied to the way we were raised and our early Mm -hmm. childhood experiences. Sometimes it's difficult to put your finger on your early experiences, you you know, until you have those aha moments where you start to go backwards and you start to say, okay, now I see what's going on. Uh, What's a process that you think we could go through to actually start to uncover some of the more hidden uh, experiences of our early life that may be contributing to the stress or the clutter that we're processing at the moment? Well, remember their layers. Mm. And one thing I want to say is you don't always have to get to the root of the story because a story is something we can get distracted on. Oh, my father or my Mm. neighbor Mm. said I was ugly and fat and blah, 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 blah. blah, And that's why I feel unattractive or whatever it is. So If you need to, that's okay. But it's more like if you can't get to the story or remember that moment, how am I feeling in the moment? What is this bringing up to me? And then going back and with the emotions, 
And usually it's we're either coming from love or we're coming from fear. And what I've found is I would articulate it as we feel not good enough, not worthy enough, or not loved. Yeah. It's yeah. usually when we're coming from something stressful for that. And so realizing, okay, maybe I can't remember the story, but this is what I'm feeling right now. And just think on that. And then I like to dialogue. Well, mm. that's not true. I'm not, I'm lovable. My husband loves me. Mm. My parents love me. My cats love me. And so, you know, that's a place from a, that a false ego has told you this story and this tape that keeps running in your mm -hmm. head. So it's about stopping the tape in the moment saying that's not true. And yeah. then I think it's important to replace that with something positive, whether it's, I am loved, I am worthy, I am good enough. Great. Great. So is there a process, uh, do you advocate like say journaling or some kind of process to start to have that conversation? Cause it's not all, always, uh, possible to have the conversation with somebody else, although that can be very helpful. Is there a process that you advocate for of having that conversation perhaps with yourself and how would you do it in a healthy way? Well, first of all, I'm glad that you brought up cause you can't always have those conversations because if someone's dead, it yeah. doesn't you, do you any good to be angry for 20 or 30 years or keep no. playing that over and over again. I'm a huge fan of journaling. I created a journal prompt series because you have the wisdom within. And when yeah. I work with someone, they know what's best for them. It's my job right. to support them and bring it forward. I am a huge fan of journaling. You know, you can talk to someone if you're like, mm. you know what, I don't even know where to start. And they can be a mirror back to you to help mm. with that. But it's about finding that quiet time. And if you're like, I can't even journal, just start writing. And see what comes out of your head. You never know. Or if you're in that moment and you can stop and take that deep breath and, you know, videotape it or start the audio thing. I'm feeling whatever, whatever. And just see where your thoughts go yeah. and where it takes you. And don't the thing we get in the habit of censoring. Oh, mm. I shouldn't feel guilty. Oops. I can't believe I said that about someone. Right. And then we do that instead yeah. of like just letting it out and see where it goes. Yeah. It's good. Now you mentioned video and I've noticed uh, on, on social media, there's probably a increasing trend of people using social media to um, get out their emotions or their, about their experiences, whether they're small daily experiences or big uh, ideological experiences is I find sometimes the videos that are posted are perhaps less helpful to the person, you know, it's, it, it seems like they're, they're looking for somebody to affirm what they already believe rather than trying to process a healthy way of moving forward from it. Uh, you know, is there a place for doing this privately versus doing it publicly? I mean, what's your thoughts on that sort of process? I agree with you. First, I think they are looking for validation. Yeah. And the challenge with social media now, if you're surrounded by everyone who thinks like you and acts like, you no problem, but the reality yeah. is that's probably not the case. So you're opening yourself up to be vulnerable. And I think yeah. definitely with some people, you know, I've experienced in some groups who like just complain all the time and they mm. never take any action. And I just want to say, just do something because all you do is complain, but I'll give an example where I thought it was helpful because one thing is I'm not perfect and mm. I share where I stumble. So I took a break from Facebook, gosh, probably a couple months ago because someone I've known since I was a kid got all angry on my Facebook page. And I'm like, dude, we haven't talked in years. Would y'all come and 
and just screaming at me. Hmm. And the next day I wrote and I said, I'm taking a break from Facebook because when someone who's obviously in so much pain because they have so much anger misdirected at me, I said, and I can't muster any compassion. I brought it back to me, right? Cause it's about hmm. how do I need to be a better Julie? And so hmm. I said, then that's a signal for me to take a break. So then hmm. I ended up, I did a little video the next day that I shared on Instagram and I said, so this happened. And then I shared an email that I got the very next day, which was when I said, you know, and this affirmed that I was definitely taking the right step to take a break from Facebook. And so I use that as a teachable moment. And I found yeah. it something, but, but then, you know, I was saying, look, I can't muster any compassion. And, and sure. so, you know, showing people as a tool, I think that way it's very helpful, but I think you hit on most people just want to rant and rave. There's mm, no mm. self-awareness. There's no, how can I be better? And I think that's where the difference lies. Yeah. So good. And uh, I, I think that there, there's been a lot of benefit in us being able to connect with people through social media and through the internet. But, you know, like you say, without restraint, it can be just self-validation and it never becomes that teachable moment that we all need to be able to move forward. Um, now, you mentioned that you've got a journal prompt uh, guide. Tell us a little bit about that and how it can help us. Oh, I just would like to say video can also be a tool for you yeah. to record yourself because Great. you might not realize how you look and there are all those little cues. So that's yeah. something you can do a private Zoom session or whatever. So I just wanted Good. to share that. Good so I created a journal prompt series because... Mm we all have the wisdom within. And so it concentrates, you can look at physical clutter, mental, emotional, spiritual holiday. I have a compilation. I now have health, finance, relationships, and energetic clutter, because I'm a big okay. believer in that. And so what I do with the journal prompts is teach you, should give you examples, and then you have 365 journal prompts, and then how do you move forward? So I teach you how to set a goal, how to do that because I want you to take action because if you just write everything down mm. and you never do anything, then it doesn't make a difference. Well, the other thing that I did because people who have clutter tend to be really overwhelmed is I have a little Lotus on the side. And so you write out your answers. And then if you need to, you take an additional step. What was really important out of everything that I answered in this question? Cause sometimes mm. we just got to and get it on the page. But what was significant? Oh, if I pull that out. And again, that's less overwhelming because you're breaking it down into smaller steps. So yeah. I want to live in a world where everyone's sharing their gifts and excited and passionate. And so that's one way that people who, if you're motivated, you can absolutely do it on your own. Great. And uh, we can access those journals from your website. Is that correct? We can on the website and Amazon. I don't want to be and on Amazon, Amazon but it's you know, it's life that's right now, life right now. And that's, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll link to that, but it's re reawakenyourbrilliance.com is Julie's website there. Now I, I heard you say, uh, mention energetic clutter. Tell me what that is. Uh, Cause I'm intrigued. Everything's energy, whether you yeah. believe that from a physics perspective yeah. or a spiritual perspective. Sure. So what is the energy that you're putting out there? Mm. It's, I would give the example. So I'm in the South here in America and they could say, bless your heart. Mm. They're not really, but they're saying you're an idiot. And, mm -hmm. and the tagline that they use is bless your heart, but you feel the energy behind yeah. those words. You know, someone's throwing something at you. Yeah. So what it like, 
your energetic clutter. Like think about a space that's super cluttered and then you go into a space that doesn't have clutter. You can literally feel the difference. Mm. So that's about what is the clutter in my aura, in my space? And, you know, if you're a fan of feng shui or understand that, that's all about the energy of the home or the office. Mm. And mm. the first thing they say is clear your clutter. So right. it's looking, you know, what clutter have I created spiritually? Is it still hanging around energetically? Because even mm. if you think you've been done with something and if you, you haven't, like if you haven't let go of your anger about something, mm. it's still there in your field. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So you've, you've got to, uh, the energy you're putting out, uh, really it, it impacts other people, but you also get impacted by the energy of other people. I, you know, um, I love talking about the, um, the way that our brains match emotion. Uh, we will match the emotion or the level of emotion that another person puts out and vice versa. And so being able to control the environment or the mood by not just falling into matching someone's emotion, but you actually set the tone for that relationship. It's uh, very powerful stuff. Oh, yeah. I think that that's definitely is huge. And I love how you phrase that because if you raise your vibration, people will either rise to meet you or they'll go away. And I mm. see it happen all the time. And so that's why I'm like, how can I raise my energy? I don't like yeah. where we are. Okay. We're let's raise our energy and let's move forward. Let's up and out. Let's get yeah. going. Nah, so good. I love it. Now you, you've authored a couple of books as well, Julie, why don't you tell us about your books? Well, I have the 12 journal prompt series yep. and then I also have a book called Clear Your Clutter Inside and Out. And so that's a little more detailed. It's 21 chapters on clearing physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual clutter. And I also threw in a bonus chapter on energetic clutter because I know it might be a weird concept for people. Right. And so that's, again, the same thing. I use examples of from my life, from clients and how they've been able to clear clutter and then give you take action and how to move forward and step by step oh, how can I release this physical clutter? Or how can I work on jealousy and have 21 chapters on that? And then an accompanying workbook if you want something to guide you throughout the book. It's fantastic. Sounds good. And we're going to link to that, of course, on your website. And uh, you've got a podcast. Is that podcast and a YouTube channel? Is that podcast available, uh, say, through the normal podcast channels or it is a syndicated radio show? What's the process there? You can find me on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts and it's clear your clutter inside and out. So it's Great. available free, something I wanted you to give back. Yeah, I love it. So good, Julie. Uh, I, I, I want to wrap up this conversation with some really practical steps for everybody that's been listening. Because as you said earlier, we need to take baby steps. We need to start somewhere. So for all of us that are um, struggling with clutter, whether it's emotional or uh, physical, let's talk about some really practical ways that we can start to take the next step. I mean, we've, we've talked about a lot of ideas here. Now, for the person that's struggling with uh keeping their physical space decluttered, maybe just keeping their desk clean. What are some practical steps they can go on to start to change that habit and to declutter their uh, physical spaces? Well, one thing you can take the time, if, for example, with your desk is at the end of the week or the end of the day, declutter, put all the files back, put mm. the pens back in their holders, straighten up all your books. If you get into that habit of decluttering, that's something that's really important. Great. And also I would encourage people to, I'm looking 
looking around my office to see if I have uh, any more suggestions. One, it's to get in the habit of decluttering. If you have other physical clutter, yeah. ask yourself if you're like, wow, Julie, I'm overwhelmed. Do you have a deadline? For example, you are getting shelving installed in the garage. And if it's yeah. on February 10th, I think I need to declutter the garage before then. Or yeah. if you're not paying your mortgage on time, then yeah. the priority is getting the office and the bills decluttered and organized. So ask right. yourself, is there a deadline? Is there something that's a priority that that's really important? And then break it down into manageable steps. Like as I look around my office, if I, and I believe in decluttering everything you own annually. Mm -hmm. And if you are overwhelmed right now, once you've done everything, then get into that habit. But okay, I'll work on the bookcase today. If a bookcase overwhelms you, I'm going to declutter one shelf. But if you okay. do five minutes a day, at the end of the year, you spent over 60 hours wow. decluttering. So there five minutes a day does matter, or 10 minutes a day, I believe that is. Mm -hmm. But if you just take a few minutes each day and set that habit, and set that tone. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, that's such good advice. Because I think a, a lot of the challenge for people who struggle to get uh, declutter happening is they see the mess or they see the uh, the project and they say, oh, it's too much. I haven't got time to do it today. Uh, but what you're saying is don't have to do it all today. You can start today, do a couple of minutes and then come back to it tomorrow and just make it a, a daily habit that you come back to. That's such good advice. So and what I, about, sorry, go on, go for it. I was just going to add because you brought it up when people, mm. oh, I don't have time because that's a yeah. big excuse. How much time have you spent on social media today? Social <laughs> media is such a time waster and a time sucker. And I always yeah. want people to challenge time yourself. If you don't yeah. have a realistic idea, because that time that you're surfing Facebook or doing whatever, you could get a lot done in that time. So I'm going to so challenge true. your listeners. Yeah, so true. And look, really, we have no excuse now because most phones give you a breakdown of how much time you've spent on your phone. I was alarmed to get the notification on my iPhone today that my my uh, screen time has gone up by 120% in the last week. So I'm like, oh, too much time on my phone. I need to stop. But um, no, that's that's good advice. And I we have to constantly challenge ourselves because even with Netflix and those kind of streaming uh, platforms as well. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to just lose four hours binge watching something and uh, to be able to set end times or stop times. I, tell me, I, I don't know if you've ever considered this, but something that's really been playing in, in my mind about time wasting is um, the way that social media companies have designed their news feeds is they have this thing called the endless scroll where you can continually scroll and you never get to the end of it. And uh, they know that psychologically, if your brain doesn't have an end point, it never looks for an exit. And so creating end points with things, even with say watching now with Netflix, you know, as soon as you finish a, a show, it says the next show starts in 10 minutes, 10 seconds. So you, you don't have an opportunity to have an exit strategy. You just sit there and you just keep on going. What, what, what might be a plan for creating exit strategies in a world where technology has hijacked our ability to stop at reasonable times? I think that's a great question. First, I would encourage everyone to see The Social Dilemma. Mm. If they haven't, that is a fascinating documentary and it. That might be one thing to put you on pause and to really rethink things. So right. that's where you have to be disciplined. That's where you have to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to allow myself this window mm. 
of time to do that. And unplugging does our brain good. You know, we, it, we are, we're so plugged in, we're so wired. Take a walk every day, mm. hug your kid, hug a tree, whatever it is. And so self-awareness is the first step to that and having the discipline. And then you have to find out something that helps you. Like, for instance, I got a health watch okay. and that says, ding, 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 let's get up. How long have we been sitting? How many steps Great. are we doing a day? Because I'm a very disciplined person. Well, not so much because when it comes to eating and exercising and my, this mm. year, that's my big goal. I right. joined Noom because Noom is for Noom and my health watch keep me accountable. Right. So what is it? Like you mentioned your iPhone mm. then, oh, 120, whoa, 120%. So what is mm. it as I plan my week that I'm going to make sure that I'm not off on my phone? Do I need a reminder? You right. know, on my watch, get off your iPad or whatever it is. And so you figure out what can support you in becoming more accountable yeah. and then do it. So good. That's so good. Um, we, okay. We've talked about physical clutter. We've talked about um, starting to manage your, your calendar or your time frames. Well, let's talk about some easy steps for somebody that wants to start delving into emotional clutter. We talked about journaling. Are there any other steps that we can take to start dealing with the inside clutter i'm a huge fan of having gratitude mm. because i don't think that we have as a society all over the world we don't have or really appreciate or understand how much we really have so i yeah. think that that's really important developing compassion yeah developing empathy i think is really important and owning and taking responsibility for your life i know i mentioned what others do and say is about them and how you yeah. respond is about you own your life instead of blaming everyone else. That's a first huge step to take. Yeah. So let's oh. not gloss, let's not gloss over that because I think probably more so than ever, we're seeing a, a generation of young people who want to blame everyone else except themselves. And there's does, there seems to be less and less personal responsibility taken for the, uh, the afflictions that they experience in life. What, what do you think's brought that on? And, and, how would you challenge somebody who maybe struggles with being the victim or not owning their own personal responsibility? That's a great question. I think that that's true. So I would say, talk to people who love you and that you trust. You know, I'm going to share a story. I was in, I don't remember how old I was. And my brother said to me, you see yourself as a victim. Mm. And in that moment, I could hear it. And then I was like, wow, what does that mean? And so that got me on a journey of being curious. So yeah. I said, well, let me read some books. Let me take some classes. So if you don't have that aha moment, ask friends, you know, do I take responsibility? Hmm. And, you know, you've got to want to change. And usually sometimes for people, they have to have that pain point where people are like, you know what, I'm done being your friend because you're just a bad friend. You never own anything. You get really mm. tired of hearing it. You know, I talked about a woman in my group earlier who all she does is complain, complain, and complain. And, see, and she sees herself as a victim. Well, mm. in this group, what started to happen is that people don't respond now yeah. and they don't yeah. say poor you. And they they're like, I'm done giving you advice and making yeah. helpful suggestions because you don't want to listen. So I think sometimes you have to hit that pain point before yeah. you're able to move forward. And once you do right. that, who can you ask who trust? You know, can you give me some honest feedback or you reach out to a professional? Like you could talk to someone in business who, mm. you know, who might not be able to articulate that they see themselves as a victim. So it's about 
reaching that pain point, if you've, if you've noticed, wow, I am a victim, then that's when you start to read a book, listen to a podcast, do something, hire someone. And why is it that I feel like a victim? Where have I felt wronged or what am I afraid of? Mm. Because it's easy to wallow and, oh, woe is me, than yeah. to take action and put yourself out there. So true. So true. No, that's great. And uh, you, you mentioned gratitude. Uh, that's another big one, I think, that we take for granted. You said, you know, so often in Western society, we don't recognize how well off we really are or how privileged we really are. I, I, mm -hmm. In the city that I live in, in Brisbane, we just went into another three-day lockdown uh, just to get on top of a, um, you know, an outbreak. Mm -hmm. And it was almost immediate that people started to say, oh, 2021, it's a write-off. And it's like, that was like... <laughs> It's a three-day lockdown. It's not the end of the world. And when I think about where I live, you know, compared to what, say, some of my friends in India go through when they go through a lockdown, I think we're, we're not bad off. I mean, we've got large homes. We've got backyards we can go into. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the same thing at all. And yet uh, there's this default mechanism that so many of us have, which is to complain about what we do have rather than recognizing how uh, fortunate we are. What, what are some steps that we can take to start recognizing um, how fortunate we are? Um, you know, there's, there's the old saying that there's always somebody that's better off than you and someone that's worse off than you. So what are some of the steps to start recognizing that? Because it's hard in a, in a Western country that's very privileged and very mm -hmm. uh, financially well off. Most people are, even the poor people in our society are quite well off. Yes. Um, how do we help ourselves become more aware of the world around us? I'd encourage you to do it daily. Mm. And if you're like, man, I'm just, I can't do it. I have nothing to be grateful for. Do you have enough mm. food to eat? Yeah. Do you have shelter? Do you have clean water? Do you have access to healthcare? A lot of people in Western, and thank you for correcting me that and, and naming specifically Western societies, almost everyone listening or watching mm. has those things. So yeah. that's where you begin and you commit to doing it daily. And then you can tie it in with something. You know what? Well, I'm showering and washing my hair. I'm going to say three things I'm grateful right. right now. Or if I'm stuck in a traffic jam, I'm just going to start naming all the things that I am thankful for. And if you can tie it to something and make it part of your daily routine and then challenge yourself. Well, I said two today, maybe I can say three tomorrow. And then begin to look for it in every situation. Yeah. You know, a good example is when we have been in lockdown, not complete lockdown, we've been in whatever they're calling it here. When that happened in March, I stopped seeing people in person hmm. and I lost a lot of business. Sure. And I'm like, well, let's be honest, Julie, you keep saying that you want to not do the physical decluttering anymore. Well, here's your opportunity. Yeah. Look at it. It's on a silver platter. And so then I spent this kind of last year, what do I want to do moving forward? What do I want to build? What do I want to create? Okay. We're going to shore up our foundation. And I kept myself in gratitude as much as humanly possible. I'm not Great. denying that it wasn't stressful, but who do you think is going to have a better outcome if they focus on what they can be grateful for and then someone mm. who doesn't and just complains and we talked about earlier everything's energy are yeah. you going to attract that job opportunity if you're complaining all the time mm. Mm, 
Maybe, but maybe not. But if you're interviewing, I bet they're going to be more attracted to the persons that, yeah, you know what? I really struggled this year, but here's the good that came out of it. Yeah. Uh, so good. And uh, I, I think probably closely tied to that is uh, what you mentioned as well of developing compassion and empathy. Uh, sometimes I think you can get fatigued by the victims in your world and start mm-hmm. to lose your compassion or empathy for others. Um, how do we keep the balance? I mean, you don't want to pander to a victim, but at the same time, you don't want to let that make you hard or cold or um, to the plight of others. So how do we foster a sense of compassion and empathy for those people around us? You have boundaries. I mentioned earlier that the guy I recognized, the crazy guy that was so angry, screaming at me on my Facebook wall, I have no compassion. I need to take a break. Yeah. He, he wasn't the one that caused me to have no compassion. It was me. And so I recognized I've got to recharge. I've got to get off Facebook. So you can have a boundary and still have compassion just because you have empathy and compassion. That doesn't mean that you can't say, you know what? I can't do this right now. Sure. And say that, you know what, I love you, but I I can't hear you complain right now. And I love you. And I wish that you would talk to someone. I'm really concerned. And right now, you know what, it's too much for me. You know, I'll check back in with you that there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's about your self care, like the sign in my kitchen says, happy wife, happy life. So you got to take care of yourself to take care of others. Yeah, that's great. That's such good advice. Julie, do you have any other advice you'd like to share with our listeners before we start to wrap up this conversation? Just when all else fails, stop and take a deep breath. And to remember that no matter what, you are good enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Great. Such good advice, Julie. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to uh, reach out? They just go to reawakenyourbrilliance.com. They can find out more about me. It has links to social media and my podcast and all that good stuff. Awesome. And we'll link to that in the description. Julie, thanks again so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you got a ton of value out of that episode. Don't forget to let us know what you thought in the comments. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover next time, we'd love to hear from you. If you know anyone that would benefit from the content that we produce, please like and share this channel. And we look forward to having you next time on the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel. 